0: to a brand new episode of Seize the Moment podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have on Richard Deming. He's an award-winning poet and critic whose work explores the intersections of literature, philosophy, and visual culture. He's the author of five books including Day for Night and Art of the Ordinary. He teaches at Yale University where he's the director of creative writing and his newest book, available now, is called This Exquisite Loneliness. What loners, outcasts, and the misunderstood can teach us about creativity. Richard, uh, thank you so much for coming on and welcome Uh, to the
1: show. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's terrific to be here. I'm a fan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. And so as we normally begin, I'm going to begin with a passage from Richard's book. Richard wrote, I first began drinking and using drugs when I was about 13. At 15, people started to say I was a nice guy until I got a drink in me. It was 16 when I began to drink so heavily that I lost hours and then whole days to blackouts. My blackouts always had a feel of time hopping teleportation. One moment, I would be taking a long, slow drink from a bottle. Then hours later, sometimes even a day or so, I would suddenly appear back in my body. These moments were much more jarring more much more than jarring; they were dangerous. Sometimes I was in my room or apartment, perhaps in the middle of a sentence. Uh, Other times I would drop back into consciousness in a completely different city from where I was when I started to drink. Once I woke up face down in a puddle in a dark alley behind some family owned appliance store in Montreal, 300 miles from home. A bloody gash opened across my forehead and nose. A few years later, someone asked me what that was like. I compared it to the sci-fi TV drama from the 1990s Quantum Leap. My whole body buzzed and I reappeared in myself, unsure of where I was or even who I was. So I love how your book starts out with this incredible and I would argue uh, pretty profound depth of, uh, of intimacy so oftentimes, I mean when people write books like this it's usually about other people's lives what their experiences were like uh, I mean I've known several authors who've done that which I, I listen I appreciate it and it's very academic and they'll write about this person's life uh, the troubles they've gotten into and whatnot. but I, it seems like from you you kind of couch other people's experiences pretty much within your own and it seems like for the most part it's this really vulnerable book that you kind of take elements from other we'll definitely talk about them uh, other People and other important thinkers, uh, you know, visionaries, if you want to call them that, and you find a way to link them to your experiences, in this case in particular, with loneliness. So, can you tell me a little bit about essentially how the book came about and how you saw yourself in these different people? And we'll, we don't have to get into each specific person because we're going to focus on them one by one, but I wanted to know how you kind of got this concept and put it together.
1: Well, I mean, I had started to write um, other things about loneliness along the road. And Um, When I decided I really needed to start writing a a pretty long thing about it, like a book, um, Mm -hmm. it was because I um, was writing about someone who was really lonely, the actress Philip Seymour Hoffman in in a movie that I think was about grief and loneliness and alienation. And that was the moment when it kind of felt like these are the real stakes. Um, because I started really turning to that I was write, writing that essay and a friend of mine had called and said that Hoffman had died of an overdose. And um, that's when I really felt like there were these stakes. And And so some of it is because I was responding to somebody else's loneliness and recognizing my own my own in it and my own sort of like alternate reality or even still, you know, possible reality. Um, but I think that when I started in earnest really writing the book too, there's only so far that I felt like I could go talking about my own loneliness that wasn't just like another, another iteration. And it was thinking about other people's loneliness that uh, helped me talk about different aspects or facets of it um, and ultimately, like it was, you know, I wasn't conscious of this. This is something that came later, but I was kind of enacting what I think is the argument of the book, which is that, uh, or one of the arguments, which is that,, um, by sort of expressing or or or, you know, bringing to the world our sense of loneliness, we can we can offer. A, an echo to somebody else that then starts their own desire to create something by which they can see and be seen. Um, and so that was really what it was. Like, these people did that for me. Um, and so my writing about it was just a kind of another product of that, another, another, yeah, generation of that. Um, and then I hope it kind of um, spirals out. And my, my favorite notes and emails that I've gotten already in the short time the book has been out have been from artists and writers who said, yeah, this helped me write this thing. Or I went back into the studio after reading the book. And that's been, that's truly meaningful to me.
0: Yeah. It it appears that in the endeavor to try to sort of parse out, or at least from like a writing perspective, attempt to explain or talk about your own loneliness, right? Or, to sort of put into words in the creative process what it is that you may be going through it feels like even the process of doing that because to parse out um such deep feelings that uh, you know it may you may feel like you're uh, separated from others you may feel like no one understands you you may feel um that you're the only one going through whatever it is that you're going through but by sort of communicating that through your art, whether it's writing, photography, in the case of Walker Evans, or um, and so on, uh, it, it appears that uh, it sort of creates a, um, a language for loneliness that other people can kind of understand and resonate with. And then it helps them to see that, oh, okay, like, the, there's something I can uh, do about these feelings that I'm going through in that expression. And then I, I feel like uh, and you do talk about this in the book, of course, but that there's that's where sort of that link between creativity and loneliness exists in, in that endeavor to try to describe the indescribable, mm. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that that's really beautifully put. And I think mm-hmm. that, and I like too, that you said a language of loneliness because I think I think that's absolutely right. And I think also it only speaks to, The fact that we have such a problem talking about it and so that there's kind of there isn't there isn't a language for it. I mean, kind of, you know, I'm lonely that there's a whole range and a whole spectrum of what that could entail. And I think Mm -hmm. that, yeah, providing these models and examples um, have been important. But I think also just the um, the striving to articulate it. Um, you know, to to try to bring into language um, is really is really absolutely necessary. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the first step is figuring out a way to talk about this stuff. I guess the first step is saying it's okay to talk about it, and the second step is then how do I do that? And here are people who have tried.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think we often struggle uh, just seeing it as something less personal. And so, like, so I'm a psychotherapist. And so, what I often deal with with patients is the shame around these particular qualities, or you know, let's say uh, aspects of life. Maybe qualities isn't the right term. Uh, but, like, let's say uh, in terms of a person's circumstances, feeling lonely. And so, I can tell you, even from personal experiences, like, that's not something I'd even want to admit. Like, there are periods in my life where I le- legitimately don't even really reach out to anybody. People don't even reach out to me. And it's hard to really say that because, especially when you think of, um, I mean, I don't want to really get into too much about like what gender roles are, what should be, but I would argue that ma- in terms of masculinity, the thinking is you kind of have to figure it out, right? Like men aren't really lonely. That seems more of a feminine trait. I know that would be controversial. I'm not. I don't want to get into what that actually means. But essentially, you get this sense that okay, if I am lonely, like I have to go do something about it, and then also like yeah, why should you be lonely? Like are you needy? What does this say about you? And so when you now start thinking about it in more existential terms, and this is you know where your work goes, is you're saying that loneliness is an aspect of life, that there's this unbridgeable gap between you and I that's always going to be there. So technically, even though, yes, you can see loneliness in the people who are just isolated and not really connected to anybody in that particular moment, we also can experience loneliness when we're around other people. But again, when you when it comes to masculinity, it's so hard to admit that. And to say, even let's say, A, if I'm around people, I don't want to say that I'm lonely because it's like, what do you have to be lonely about? Look at all these people here, right? And then when you're by yourself, the thinking is like, oh my God, like, why are you so needy? Go read a book, go, go to the gym, go do something else, you know? And I like that, again, your book- in the, in the aspect of it that's uh, that's vulnerable, that's more personal, that you explore your own kind of loneliness. And that's what I actually want to get into. So can you talk to us a little bit about your experiences with it, uh, how you got to some of these realizations, and then essentially what they did and how they helped you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I have really had, you know, chronic loneliness all, all my life. Um, and, you know, that was certainly a huge part of my you know addiction and substance abuse was trying to navigate that um and you know then becomes this you know it's really terrible paradox that the the uh, the lonelier i the lonelier i felt the more i used to like just kind of survive it or or blank it out um which only made me feel more lonely and distant from other people. So then I do more of that. And, um, you know, that, that it just, it's this, this, you know, paradox that the very thing I use to survive it is the thing that's worsening it. And so then when I, um, you know, got sober, um, and it takes, you know, it takes time to, you know, and a lot of work, a lot of internal work, to really clarify for myself how much loneliness was and has been part of the equation, part of my DNA. and some of the sense of why I, you know, turned to art was a musician earlier in life and did stuff with with comedy and um, and writing was the thing that kind of kept coming back and was my way of of sort of, locating myself to myself um and so that you know this is also i mean and you have you guys have already touched on it like this is despite having friends and despite having a, you know a really great marriage um that's you know been going f- for years and gets better every year um for me anyway um <laughs> I have to ask her but <laughs> i think i think it's okay but i mean it you know the I think that that also you touched on the word that that I think is at the the core of this,, um, which is need, and that loneliness comes out. I mean, it's just it is a sort of a basic need, that it's like a hunger that this is how we know that we need to go socialize with other people and have, you know, some some engagement and encounters with other people. And, you know, we wouldn't necessarily think of, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to have a sandwich. That wouldn't be needy. And so if these things are as natural and intrinsic to our humanity, as if loneliness is intrinsic as hunger, then why would we, why should we call it neediness? Mm -hmm. Uh, and which is just a pejorative way of saying, yeah, guess we need other people. Um, and, and yeah, I think that that, I do think that that's a real problem. Um, I think it does code in some ways, different ways across gender. Um, but, uh, it really is that, that, that shame. And then loneliness is, is, uh, like if we're, we're sort of equating it to hunger, there can be periods of time where you're really like that. That also doesn't minimize it. I mean, if you go too long without eating, you get really sick. Uh, -hmm. and if you go too long without really, um, satisfying relationships with other people that create, that can create a stress that is also, you know, um, just harmful even to the body, let alone the emotional life. Um, so I feel like I'm not being specific to your question. Um, but those are, I mean, that's the, I I think if we talk about, okay, here are the consequences, here's the way that we can rethink loneliness and that, and that I think takes time. And ultimately like that goes back to some of the things at the beginning, which was I'm, you know, when I, started to get some emotional clarity on my life wanted to really um really wanted to know what loneliness is mm. and to acknowledge it in my life and to find healthy ways of dealing with it and then re- and rethinking it
2: Right, right. And how how did that happen? Right. So because essentially going back to where we started with the substance abuse, I mean, it's essentially a, a weak bomb, you know, for for loneliness, yeah. and it's the the kind of the fear of experiencing it, the fear of experiencing the shame around it. I mean, you kind of have a, I guess, maybe a cascade, or a, what would you call that? Uh, like you would have a you know strata of kind of emotions, right? On top of which is most, or I'm sorry, in the bottom of which is shame. And then you have, you know, shame, loneliness, uh, you can say depression, you know, the fear of all of this, of, you know, it all kind of tumbling down and then you're experiencing the shame. So when did you, as, is, let's say we focused on it or looked at it as an onion, when did you start kind of peeling it back and allowing yourself to experience not only the loneliness, but the shame around it? And maybe whether it's a gender norm or whether it's the way you expected to see yourself for whatever other reason, when did you allow to see yourself in, in that juxtaposition to say, okay, here's this ideal version of myself that I so desperately want to be, but here's who I really am,
1: yeah. I mean, I think um, you know I I don't think that there was a like necessarily Eureka moment um I think some of it had to do with um, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, which is that I, spent a month alone in a cabin Mm -hmm. um, on the southern tier of New York State. And I was alone. I had no phone. This is pre-internet, pre-cell phones. And it was a six or seven mile walk into town. And I didn't have any running water. And I would just, and I was, you know, seriously meditating at the time. And so I, I did that. And that gave me the purest sense of a solitude and solitude as a like healthy chosen condition um, that is restorative and so that like that gave me a way of like like thinking of the spectrum that if I could go into that and have that really you know powerful and healthy and restorative feeling when I felt loneliness and which is on the same spectrum but feels painful and isn't chosen it comes upon you um, finding that was uh, was good to set up that kind of comparative relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then also, I think some of it was, uh, you know, I think um, realizing that I could connect with people, that I could write something that other people would respond to, that I could be... You know, trying to figure out for myself, and I would write something, and other people would catch that. And sometimes, you know, even things that I wasn't aware of, like my second book of poems. Um, when I started to send it around for friends and and people I admire to look at and get their sort of feedback, um, I kept getting people writing to me saying, "Well, you know, this is really fascinating meditation on loneliness." And I'm like, it is. Um, I didn't realize that. And I was a part of that because my process was to stay up really late alone. Um, and, uh, you know, my beloved would go to bed. I would then begin to write. I would go running really late at night, like at midnight mm-hmm. and come back. And it would be in this sort of sense of that there's nobody in the world that's awake. Um, and feeling that um, excitement of creating something but the sense of there being like loneliness that there's no one that I could reach out to because they're asleep or they're distant and like you know like all of these things um, start to work on me and hmm. and it's a crucial thing but I think you know and the other thing I would say is like when I started thinking about what I think of as exquisite loneliness, which is kind of that, which is this sort of um, self-awareness of feeling lonely and that it's not just something uh, that I'm in. It's sort of like when you have depression and you can think about being depressed. I mean, it was sort of, I'm lonely. What does that mean about what I need in relationships or what I'm lacking or what I want? It was when I spent um, six months in Berlin um and um i was at this the american academy which was really fun and really stimulating and but you know i'm in a foreign country um and um my beloved had to stay back in the states because of her job and so I was mostly um you know alone and i would walk the streets at night and and It was different because it was loneliness caused by the occasion like I knew, oh, if I go home, I will have my chronic loneliness, but you know there are my cats and there are my books and there are these like there's my wife and there are all these things, whereas this I knew I felt this real intense loneliness, Um, but it was going to come to an end when I left the country and I had lots of people that I was meeting which was very exciting very fun but there was no intimacy because I was there for six months so mm-hmm. like you can meet a lot of people and have a lot of great relationships but if you're in a place for six months you don't have deep friendship you just don't have that sort of banked and so it was mm-hmm. like that was the things that I started to w- become aware of it's not even just the number of people you know and this is again like trying to figure out what loneliness is it's not it's not occasion of like how many people, you know, it's how many deep intimacies do you have with people and how much do you, of that do you need? And I think that that changes depending on, you know, where you are in your life or what is happening in your life or what you're going through. Um, And I just, and I, that became very clear to me that it wasn't, it wasn't just knowing people. It was, it was the depth of intimacy with people. It was the uh, sense that I could that these were relationships that were going to be ongoing and and so that like so longevity of built-in life to them. Um and I think it was that too, that just all of these things kind of kept making me think about it. But you know, ultimately it was the writing of the book that helped me clarify all of these things. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I, I figured it out, let me take it down. It was, I I usually am like, uh, I, I, there's a question that I'm wrestling with and that's why I want to write the book because I need, I need to just let myself dive deep. And that's what I want to do with loneliness to really kind of come through to the other, not the other side, because I don't think it goes away, but to figure out what its role in my life was, is,
0: Mm. Um, well, I suppose two things. One thing, just very quickly, that I sort of related to is, is that aspect of okay, you're away somewhere for six months. You almost already know it's guaranteed that you're not going to make any deep relationships with anyone. So it's almost as if even upon just starting that adventure for six months, you almost know you will definitely not be making those that that kind of relationship. And then I I, yeah, I could imagine uh, that I find that actually very relatable. I, I even find that. Uh, hope do no- tell. Yeah. So I hope <laughs> nobody finds this, uh, you know, from where I work or anything like that. But when I first started wor- working, I was thinking, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be at this uh, job. Right. So of course, you know, there, I understand you need to I mean, there's an area there's an aspect of, oh, you need to, you know, network with people. It's good for your professional career. Not just that being truly, truly being authentic and actually fostering, you know, uh like a good healthy relationship with people being you know nice and all of that uh genuinely of course that's great however when you intellectually know that but then also at the same time you don't know how long you're gonna be deal like or be around a certain person or not you almost wonder is it worth it to risk uh you know be getting so vulnerable to the point of creating that deep bond with someone um I suppose somebody who's more extroverted would argue I'm overthinking it, right? Yeah. Or something like that. They might they might say something like that. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like any of my fellow introverts would be like, no, I really connect with that. Like uh, I need a lot to know that this person's gonna be like solid in my life and you know, connect with them. Can't just meet someone for a week and say, Oh, that's my friend from Berlin. You know, I of course won't be talking to them anytime soon, but if I see them in a year, we'll reconnect like Nothing happened, uh, or no time has passed, rather. but um th- so that was just in a quick aside. I just wanted to just to relate to you on that. but uh, uh, in regards to the writing process uh, or rather loneliness, and it's linked to creativity, wh- and I wanted to ask this to both of you hmm. do do you both feel that um, as an aspect of loneliness, um either thinking a lot or in many cases, overthinking kind of occurs? Uh, in this, it, this might be more of a link to depression or like sort of ruminating thoughts that people might have, but I feel like there's a tie to loneliness here. I noticed that my, in my own experience, anytime that I was, let's say, lonely or depressed, and I'm kind of thinking about the situation, I would think about every single aspect of it do a bunch of perspective taking what is this person thinking what am i uh what if i act like this will this happen well you know you start thinking of all the different possibilities do you find that that overthinking or or we'll just call it let's find let's call it overthinking do you think that that contributes to the creative process in the sense that it helps you to take all these different perspectives and uh Uh, write differently perhaps or or something like that oh good question yeah richard you can go first
1: um so i have a new theory to me this is my theory about my own depression uh which is that it's all form and no content Hmm. and so what it needs is content and so i'm tend to be the one responsible to give it content Hmm. um and i that's something that i've been sort of consciously trying to work on is not not give it that content and and to you know say to myself i i don't i can i feel bad but i don't have to give it i don't have to give it this stuff i don't have to put wood into that fire to to keep it burning um if i feel bad i feel bad but it doesn't need to touch anything i don't need to throw other things in And so that is a sort of a conscious thing. I think that loneliness, um, yeah, loneliness is, um, there is a way that I think it can, um, yeah, that it can, I mean, it's a great question. It's a hard one to answer, and it's, I think it's a hard one to answer sort of um in a general way but i think for for myself it it is a lack of intimacy and and i think that that's it's it's i feel it more like um i don't i don't have to go look for um those kinds of things i mean maybe this is helpful as as an anecdote and 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 then i'll Leanna, I'd love to hear what you have to say but um one of the the reasons that i i knew i wanted to write something when i heard about hoffman's death i knew that it was going to be a what i but then i was like well is this a book what would this be and i was at dinner with a friend um uh and we had been, I have a big, I'm a big fan of horror movies. We've been talking about horror movies.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, she's a poet. We were talking about poetry. And uh, I don't know, then we shifted to, um she had grown up on Long Island and she said, oh yeah, we always went to Rockaway Beach. Mm. And I said, oh, you must love the Ramones. And she mm. said, what? And I said, well, yeah, they have that great song, Rockaway Beach. And I started to sing it. And she said in the most, like, uh, humane, loving way, she said, the horror movies I get, and there's poetry, and and the Ramones, (laughs) you must be really lonely a lot of time. And I, and I was like, because, you know, her sense of like, how do you put these things together? Mm -hmm. um, And then who do you talk to? And, and I, and that was a moment that made me feel like, yeah, exactly, that kind of Uh, uniqueness but I think then where the creativity kicks in is because and I think actually I mean Alan was is connected to what you were saying too about that Um, it's it's a sense of wanting to create the conditions for intimacy
0: and so then Mm -hmm.
1: I create something and I think that this is true of a lot of the people I look in the book they create something to in order to like you know, cast this thing out or, you know, what I like to say is think of think of like um, calling to other voices in in distant valleys to hear them come back and like um, they by reading something or listening to music and feeling open to it is usually where I feel that loneliness because I feel I feel connected but distant Um, Because these people are somewhere else, but it makes me want to create something or sort of participate in that in that exchange of intimacy, even with people I'm not with. Um, And, you know, or, you know, like Aegon Sheila died, you know, decades before I was even born um yeah i mean i think that's it i mean i think that's that's where that that shifts to so i i think you know there are all kinds of ways that loneliness can occur Mm -hmm. um and i think mostly i'm interested in the ones that are sort of chronic in which case there isn't there isn't a an occasion um it's different from like if you have somebody who dies obviously you're going to feel that loneliness Mm -hmm. um but uh uh, we just had a dear friend die and, and periodically my beloved and I are saying, I'm, I'm lonely for this person. And um, yeah, but I think the, the, the one, the, 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 some people are just sort of more sensitive to, or awake to, or feeling of um, that kind of existential loneliness. And that's the thing that like, I think that creates the possibilities of creativity and, and wanting to, to reach out reach out with the loneliness to other lonelies
2: Mm, yeah and i think so my answer is going to be a little darker uh so i think with and with respect to me and how i would sort of conceptualize it you know obviously this is not based on my personal experiences so i remember when i was uh i was friends with this person and one time we were at a bookstore, like this was way back when. We were at Strand in um, in Manhattan. So we were at a bookstore and I bought about like five books, right? And she says, she looks at me and she says like, oh my God, man. She's like, you're literally doing this again. You're quelling your loneliness with all of these books. And so here's how I'm going to connect that to writing. So for me, there's a lot of, I would argue, fear and arrogance involved in both respects. So whether I'm reading or whether I'm writing, and here's why I say that. So when it comes to writing, so yes, there's a lot of overthinking involved, but here's the problem. And this is where, uh, this is, I would argue... uh, maybe not a fatal flaw, but it's a major flaw of mine and the reading too, and I'll tie it into. Uh, so when it comes to something like writing, so it's a way for me to make sense of my thoughts, but it's also in an arrogant way, a way for me to piece them together all on my own. Mm-hmm. So when I write, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I got this, right? Like I don't need anybody to tell me what to think or what's true or what's true about my life. I don't need to sit in therapy, which I, I'm on and off again with because I constantly and chronically avoid it. Uh, so for me, writing is a way for me to say, okay, like I got this. I Again, going back to that concept of masculinity, right? I, I don't need anybody. I don't necessarily need help. And so when it comes to books, I do the same thing. So what I do is I'm kind of one step removed from other people where I can say, okay, fine. I'll admit I need some help, but not like that. Like, I don't need somebody to talk to me about this. I'll just go read a few books about it, like five, right? And so I'll read the books. And again, it's all very, uh, maybe not necessarily disorganized, but there's it's jumbled, right? So there's a different idea here, a different idea there, uh, You know, five more ideas with this other book. And then you try to piece them all together. And again, it's me saying that I can make sense of this myself. Maybe I need a little bit of help again using authors, but then when I piece it all together and then I put it down into, let's say, work and I write about it wherever. Again, the thinking is I don't need anybody. I can figure this one out on my own. And I would say for the most part, and I, and you know, this is silly that I'm saying this because obviously it's super fucking problematic, but I still continue <laughs> to do it, right? So, but yeah, but essentially that is it, man. Like, so it's the overthinking that gets channeled into writing, and it's it's. I would argue it's a poor way for me to deal with loneliness because even. If I'm, let's say, writing, whether I'm reading, whether I'm getting feedback from people, and let's say I'll get comments and people say, "Hey, I really appreciated this work. Here's how it related to me." I'm always like five steps removed from other people. It's not as though I'm sitting in the room. so, like, technically, what I'm doing now is the most vulnerable I've been in like ages, right? Uh, which is again pretty unfortunate. And so, <laughs> when it comes, when, when it comes, yeah, yeah or fortunate But when it comes to my writing, it's very easy for me to sit behind the screen or even, let's say, talk to somebody and have them say, "Well, you know, I really enjoyed this work. Yada yada yada." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Thank you." so much for reading but do we really ever get into what i'm experiencing the fact that i'm not really asking for help uh the fact that i'm not actually expressing that i am needy to whatever extent no we don't get into any of that so i would argue in some ways yes that writing for me is a bomb for loneliness but it's a very fucking weak one
0: yeah (laughs) yeah uh do you feel that the do you feel so i know that you said the accolades that you get from your writing in terms of the reviews that you get, it's not that satisfying. Right. Uh, Even though there's some level of satisfaction, it's
2: not- Can I I differentiate? And Richard, I actually wonder if you experience this too, since now we're on the topic. Mm -hmm. So would we say that when it comes to sort of uh, the reviews and whatnot, it's a different type and I would say a weaker type of satisfaction where you get the dopamine hit, right? You're like, oh my God, I feel so good about myself. I'm really useful, this person really liked me. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to actual deep satisfaction, again, that's more long-term, that's more sustainable. No, it's
0: probably not that. (laughs) <laughs> it, is is the actual uh writing let's say uh or like or in, or you being vulnerable here or the writing yeah. is is that in any way cathartic in terms of uh expressing uh you know, at least like loneliness in this case? Is yeah. there anything good yeah.
2: well, It's nice because I feel like since the both of you haven't shamed me for saying that, I feel like that's nice, right? I get to experience something that I probably did, you know, for ages. Sure. So, and again, and I'm not getting the feared consequence, which is really nice. So, and I wonder, you know, going back now to Richard and your work, and I wonder if in some ways uh that you're kind of seeing that in some ways their writing is kind of removed from the world in whatever way. And it's like, it's all, it's not to say that it's, it's bad or good, you know, it's not that simple, obviously, but it's to say that it's only sort of a step toward intimacy. It's not actually intimacy itself.
1: The actual writing?
2: Yeah, the writing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... um, Yeah, it's a really great question. And I love when these things are really like conversations like this. It's much more um, fun for me. I, um, Yeah, I mean, I think that... I it's a, it, I think it's yeah I think it's complicated I mean I, I think that um it's a it's a both and. I mean I think that the um I think that the process of writing for me is a kind of um well it's both because I'm I'm it's not only intimacy int- it which suggests okay I'm being vulnerable Mm-hmm. but i think intimacy is always has to be by its nature has to be um reciprocal so i have to not only be willing to be vulnerable i have to be willing to be receptive mm-hmm. and so in the case of writing it also means that i i want to think about not how to please people um but how how to say something that makes them feel okay to be open as well mm-hmm. and so that i have to really think about how other people experience things because like, we have that i mean you know you have that kind of experience all the time in which you you know meet with somebody and then they start um, telling you all this stuff and it's very it seems like it's very revealing but they're not they're not inviting you in they're just sort of like confessing it at you mm. and that that to me doesn't necessarily like i can i can weaponize <laughs> i can weaponize my emotional life and and cudgel people with it but i think it's much more um you know it's much more powerful for me to think about um not only what what will i reveal but why am i and and am i doing it for the sense of of opening something up for other for other people and then and then be willing to to hold on to that like Mm. to have that have that happen um and and that's um i think that's where it really happens that's where the intimacy really could could occur so i think but I mean, I think that that there is then the, the tricky part of it, too, which is, um, uh, you know, no one will ever uh, read something as carefully as you wrote it, hmm. uh, you know, and it's not because they're not caring or it's just that's just the economy of it. It's just okay. the economy of it. And Um, I can have some really gratifying moving, uh, responses. Um, but I also don't necessarily see their, like their emotional life as well. Um, uh, but there's a little bit of, um, then a sense of, I mean, I'll say it, you know, faith, um, that it's doing some good, but also, you know, if I, if I thought that like, I've, solved everything in a in a book that I wouldn't need to keep writing and I feel like oh there's more that I could say there's more that I could do there's more that I could um yeah there's more to be said about everything um and so that you know is what uh pushes me to write the next thing
2: Mm. Yeah cuz when we think about just again going back to uh writing that's why I, my understanding of it was um that's why my understanding of it was that it's the beginning of a connection or hopefully the beginning of, of a connection because it's very easy to have sort of two lonely people say okay hey here's my book about on uh, loneliness and then have somebody respond and say hey i really like that i feel lonely too okay bye right so yeah. it's kind of yeah so the hope is that you actually sit there within it and you know it's one thing to say okay i'm i feel enough courage to actually put this down on paper have it become public that, that's amazing because obviously, I would argue very few people are able to do that. But then it's another thing to actually sit there with your work and have a deep conversation with the other person and actually talk about how these experiences connect with their experiences to say, okay, this is how you and I kind of can relate to each other. And this is how we've dealt with it in the past. So I feel like what we're doing now is that, you know, we're saying, okay, here's how we've experienced loneliness. Here's how it's impacted us. So I think for us, and this is why I love podcasting just in general, it's like, it's reading, but it's, uh, and writing obviously. And it's a step above that. It's saying, okay, let's actually not only make make this work useful but let's actually reveal it to one another in a way that's very sort of profound and very touching and very um it's 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 a way for it's it's even though there is a a kind of screen in front of us obviously but it's a way that sort of surpasses the technology that allows us to connect in a very kind of spiritual way that again it sort of in some ways bridges that existential gap at least momentarily Hmm.
1: yeah i mean i think you know yeah i mean i think this stuff can be really I really do think it's moving and I think there's a reason that like there's a thousand podcasts and that but you know a billion people listening to them because like you know something like this um, you can have and I've I've done a few of these lately which is hey we're talking to Richard Deming author (laughs) of The Loneliness hey Richard Um, but something like this which feels like an actual conversation and like in some ways, like for introverts, it's kind of the ideal one. Like we skip all of the like small talk and we, you know, where are you from? We're like right into it. And, and, you know, you know, saying, wow, I'm feeling, I'm feeling more vulnerable in this moment than maybe I have been, you know, recently like that, you know, that is, there's a kind of like nice, authentic uh honesty to that and i think that like uh, if we're saying if we all say yeah i'm you know i'm trying to i'm at least trying to be very vulnerable and that i'm thinking about intimacy well first of all that you know if we do think about it in gender terms and we're you know uh you know three guys talking um,
0: (laughs) about our feelings (laughs) (laughs) there's a theme here (laughs) you know (laughs) similar
1: haircuts um (laughs) but i think that like (laughs) just just even doing that is like you know it's really hard to have that kind of uh you know conversation even even with people you know and so like i i do think that that's a beautiful thing and i do you know i also you know although um although no one i said you know no one will ever read my books as carefully as I wrote them um I still think of them as like just the sign of the work um not the work itself the work itself is the process of doing it and and yeah I you know and also like the thing that we didn't talk about is there is the other vulnerability of someone like talking to you about your work, and like I don't know what to say when they kind of like are saying really nice things. Like that gets self conscious of that too, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. um, so there's all kinds of like there is all kinds of dissonance, and and um, I'm sorry, yes. Richard, can I,
2: can I actually can I actually ask you about that? So yeah. I mean, because it seems so counterintuitive, right, that you would get a compliment and you would think, oh man, this is kind of making me cringe. What do you suppose that's about?
1: uh well (laughs) in my life it means it's probably a setup for some like dig or slide (laughs) Mm. um I mean I think that's like I'm not ruling that out like that that's certainly something I've always that I you know had to to um it's a very waspy upbringing but you know uh used to that kind of thing um but it also like You know, for whatever reason, it also does make me think of the things I, I didn't do or didn't say. And, and also, you know, to be really honest, like also, you know, you know, letting people down is sort of a big fear. And so that like, like that, like it's like, if they start to say positive things, then I worry that then in the, in the moment I won't, I won't come through, I won't deliver um yeah it's all those kinds of of things that that are really that make it really complicated but in the long run if someone says to me oh this is great and they you know this really moved me like obviously that's that is gratifying i mean i'm I'm not gonna deny that Mm -hmm. but if someone says uh this really moved me so I sat down and started to write an essay about you know my 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 uh my brother dying when I was you know nine um that's like that to me that's what we're about like that's that's all I wanted mm-hmm. all I you know that's that's the hope that like it that's what passes I mean Emily Dickinson has this poem the poets light, but lamps themselves go out. The wicks they stimulate if vital light in here is do the suns. I mean, that idea that you know, whatever you make is just to get other people going and to create more possibility for voices. And then they get to write, they write something that turns me on, that then mm-hmm. I go and write something, and then that turns somebody else on. Like that's that's the conversation. That's the that's the kind of intimacy and and vulnerability that I think is really generative. And like I said, create and create, not in the sense of like, I get to say my voice, it means literally to create things that move people. And so like, I want to be moved. So I want to to set up the conditions in which somebody it helps facilitate somebody else creating something. So then I can be moved by that. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, that to me is really Really, the thing that i'm that i'm I'm most touched and gratified by,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Alan's really liked that a lot, too, no, totally. And actually speaking of um being moved. and I know this, again, this is like probably also one of those uh, cliche questions you might get on like terrestrial radio or one of those podcasts. but really should ask this, though. In terms of being moved, is there any particular figure who you mentioned in your book, like whether it's Melanie Klein, Zora Neale Hurston, Walter Benjamin, or so on, that you sort of connected with?
1: Oh, they all do. I mean, they're all really from my own, uh, you know, my own reading, Um, you know, like, you know, that idea buying all these books to quell the loneliness. I mean, that, that, you know, that, that, that every one of them at some point and continue to be, you know, like that old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So many of them like appeared at this, you know, moment that I felt really, really ready for them. I mean, a lot of them, um, like say Rod Serling, um, I didn't know so that much about his own life. I just knew that I, my beloved went away to a residency um, for, for a few months. And I said, you know, I'm going to do something that she wouldn't go with, which is watch, you know, the Twilight Zone every night, just half an hour, watch it through. I've seen every episode all of my life, but I'd never seen it in that sort of like, sort of like really focused way. And I just wanted to see what would happen because, you know, and, and so that I knew that I, and I realized how much of that show is really about loneliness. Mm. And that's when I was like, I really want to like, why is Serling writing about these shows, about these episodes about loneliness? What is it? And I knew, I knew about his death, um, but I didn't know much about his life. And then to really, Find out about him returning from the war uh, from World War Two and his father had died and he didn't even know because, he, you know, because of the military and mail being so messed up and his mother had moved and like he comes back to his really beloved uh, home and everybody's gone like like to come back from war to be not homeless in the sense of, you know, living on the street, but but the place that you you felt like I'm fighting for, like all the people you would love there are, are kind of gone. Like that was really, really powerful. So they all became really, um, none of them let me down. All of them became much, much more moving. The more I realized w- the space that they were writing from, and then it made sense to me that they would be writing about or, or painting about, or, you know, thinking about loneliness um yeah i mean they they all really they all really delivered and more so i got closer to them
2: yeah Uh, I so i love the twilight zone i have to ask what's your favorite episode
1: i mean i think that first one uh where is everybody Um, which you know he he comes into town and everybody's gone and there is um you know, like the coffee is boiling on the on the on the stove and he's just missing everybody. And uh then there's the the turn at the end. And that's that was the one that I knew that I, I were. I watched that one because it's first I watched it first. And that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute. are Or are, are all of these? And that's when I started to unfold. Why? What's your favorite?
2: Oh, a game of pool. Do you remember that one?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 That's amazing.
2: and talk about loneliness. I mean, essentially, you have this guy who's obsessed with success over a fucking like billboard game, a uh, bill, yeah, billiard, 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 yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's billboard. So, and, and it's like, you know, you're kind of wondering the entire time, like, how is he throwing his life away? And then, yes, and then this other person comes to him and he says, Fats, uh, I think his name was Fats Brown or something. So, yeah. I think, yeah, he, he, yeah, he comes to him and he says, like, dude, stop this. Like, even though I was, you know, the number one player in the whatever in the area or whatever it was, you know, I have this life. Like, I had like partners, I've been to vacations, I've been out outside of the country and i really wonder for rod serling if that was an aspect of his life that he was maybe not necessarily um let's say, not necessarily preoccupied with, but at least maybe curious about, where uh, with that kind of success, I mean, there is a sense of isolation and loneliness. I mean, you could see this with athletes, uh, you know, whomever else, right? Musicians, et cetera. I mean, they like Prince, great example. He was notorious for this. He'd spent eight hours a day literally just writing in the studio, and then much of his other time was spent recording. So he spent a lot of time by himself. So you wonder with these super successful people, like how how much is the trade-off really worth it? Because for the most part, and when they do die, I mean, yes, they have adoring fans and whatnot, but speaking of intimacy, they don't have much of that in their lives.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly I mean, I, that's very perceptive. That's exactly the sorts of things that we understand him to have felt because the Twilight Zone and and just his general success. Like he was he was really famous. I mean, especially as a writer, as, a, as yeah. a television writer, you know, there's kind of no one like it now. And he was his own kind of brand but also having to churn out all this content and, you know, he was living in LA and there's some distance from his kids and, you know, yeah, there, and also just, you know, he really like, you see this a lot in episodes of the twilight zone. He just wanted to go home. Mm
0: -hmm. He really
1: wanted to go back to Binghamton to that life though. I, I wanted to ask you guys, since you've been doing this podcast, you know which is really about i mean you know it's about a lot of things but people's feelings like are you like are you able to uh internalize that like it it, and how is it coming back to you in in those ways that you feel like you're really connecting to people or do Hmm. you
2: well just to be clear and internalize what specifically just so i know i understand the question
1: well i mean i mean the the kinds of things you know that you guys are are talking about which mm-hmm. is you know you know touches on um connection and either philosophically or psychologically or like these are still ways of being in the world and so that you know provides a kind of um reaching out to other people and that's what a podcast is and i i was wondering um from your side of things, like how that, yeah, how that how you've been getting how, how there's some kind of confirmation for your own, um, wanting to create the situation where you reach out to other people or help other people reach out to your, to your listeners.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, at least from my perspective, especially when we first started the podcast, of course, we didn't have many listeners. Uh yeah. so you know what sort of keeps you going at that point, right? And the idea was sort of this sort of the purpose, which was all right, we want to make knowledge that's not yet widely accessible more widely accessible. Now, of course, there were other podcasts doing this. You have already people like uh Rogan and uh or whatever event eventually at some point, Lex Friedman, and you have uh Uh, all these different podcasters, uh, physicists and whatever, a lot of educational podcasters, right? So they exist. However, you know, it still felt like as if that information was still not everywhere or it wasn't hitting every kind of person or every sort of demographic. Like you almost wanted certain things like maybe just something as simple as just critical thinking or what what is nuance, right? Oh, there's more than one thought or one or more layer to this Thing you're right. thinking about especially like politically or something like that like that's new to some people uh i idea concepts of like uh understanding like what is let's say uh the ego in terms of like um sort of like a false concept of oneself and maybe like if somebody didn't know this i learned this only in my early 20s and imagine like i went 20 years without knowing this that like oh this voice that it was in my head like in terms of uh, like a ruminating voice not like a brainstorming like you're trying to come up with something voice kind of just like one that would be sort of conditioned and maybe Mm -hmm. not saying good things. I didn't realize that that's just sort of like a pattern that was running in my head, not literally something that if, uh, if I asked myself, like, would I treat myself like this or say these things, like, why is it occurring? And then I started to make certain distinctions and I was like, oh, can you introduce that to people? And maybe even earlier than maybe when I was introduced something like that. And like Mm -hmm. certain little ideas that. So, what was what's the main point? The main point is the purpose in the actual action of uh, doing the service, right? Was fulfilling and is still fulfilling. That's your connection. Yes. Now, if we go to now, and it's been what would you say five years? Yeah, five. Yeah. So now, now we get more feedback, right? It's uh, st- it's still not huge, but right. we we do get that feedback. There are people who really do appreciate uh, the show. Now, do I still do? Have I seen anybody say anything like? Uh, you guys have changed my life, or something like that. I haven't seen anything like that. Not that um, I'm looking for it, but sure. that's just I. F- I feel it's almost necessary to say that. But I definitely, we've definitely got We're like, throwing a joke there.
2: Well, wait, sort of a joke. say actually, <laughs> both. friends. Yeah, he said he's like. I mean, he he enjoys so he watches and listens to this podcast like periodically, and he says to us like, "Oh, it's so interesting. Like you
0: guys talk about all of the things that I already knew." <laughs> like, hey, did you, did you want to finish? Um, well, okay. So one other thing I would say is that the the feedback is, is better, right? So, but it doesn't necessarily at least personally motivate me. It's still more like just the goal of the purpose of doing the service. Um, that's the thing that's kind of making it self-sustaining. Uh, but, um, another thing that's been very, uh, fulfilling in terms of like things that we internalize is depending on, I mean, this is for, goes for all of our guests, but sometimes once in, once in a while, there might be one particular or conversation that uh, like both me and leon will agree like like whoa like sparks are flying like mm-hmm. whoa like first of all the things that like we reveal about ourselves or how we emote or how the guests like uh expresses themselves that particular podcast, or maybe we had like a few laughs or something like that. And it's just like a generally good vibe. Or maybe you just learn something or talk about something in a way that you haven't before. Right. Uh mm-hmm. it helps us to sort of internalize that new knowledge and kind of bring it to the next podcast in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's my answer in a nutshell. I know I just said- Well,
2: you know, what's so funny and you're going to see the contrast right now because my answer is incredibly fucking simple. So literally the only connection that I I feel, right? I don't know what connections I have, uh, you know, kind of objectively speaking, whatever that even is. So the only real connections I feel and the only connections I want from a really fucking super selfish perspective is that so from Richard, from guys like you and, you know, women too, obviously from the guests that we have, I feel like I'm able to connect with people who are almost exactly like me. And it's, uh, it's something that I don't really get to experience much in my life. So whether it's like, yeah, whether it's like my work or whether it's with friends, family, whatever. I mean, it's not even that. I don't want to say that people are so distinct for me because that's not necessarily true. But in terms of the things that I have interest in, the topics that I like to talk about, I don't normally get that on a day to day basis. So with that said, a lot of times, really. So I mean, I don't really know what's again going back to that screen, man. I don't really know what's going on with the audience, right? So they'll leave us messages. They'll say nice things. I like it, and obviously it gives it makes, it's an ego boost. It makes me feel good about myself, no doubt. But the real connections, if we're talking about, if we're using Using that term, right? The real connections I actually feel are with our guests. So the fact that we can have a conversation, time flies. I don't even notice it. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, this person really understood me for like whatever Uh it was, the hour, hour 15. I I felt not only understood, but I also felt really appreciated. So not only did they get me and I obviously got them, but on top of that, they also love the fact that I gave them the space. Uh, They love the fact that I enjoyed their work. Uh, They love the fact that, I don't know, they even like the fact that they, uh, let's say I said things or I was clever and I You know, I looked smart and all of these other things. Right. So there's this connection and there's this kind of reward that you get with the actual person. I'm not necessarily sure I'd ever get that with anybody from the audience. I mean, unless I had a personal relationship with them. So yeah, for me, it's really all about the guests. It's a super selfish answer. So. No, I totally, I,
1: I totally get it. I mean, I think that's it. Like you've got to feel like, um, you know like i you know this is something that is kind of a truism about writing but i think it's true also these sorts of things like if you don't learn anything in the doing of it then then the audience won't and i think that's like the true true in writing and i think it's true in talking like if i'm just um if i'm just talking and i'm not getting any i'm not getting you know like interesting exciting questions or like you know bringing up something that i hadn't even thought of or even thought to ask myself like i get something out and then it's like i'm back i'm back in otherwise we can just fall back into a kind of like just doing a script but i think also you know alan too like along with that is that like what we're what we seem to maybe be agreement on is that it's really the the process of it and which is again that's creativity it's it's the process of the thing it's the creation of the thing not the thing that's created and that's why you kind of never want it to to end like you don't you know you kind of fantasize that you want the thing to write the thing that answers every question and that you say one sentence and you know uh (laughs) men and women fall at your feet and (laughs) Like that would be, on one hand, that seems great. On the other hand, they'll, then I'd be done and I'd be bored. Like I yep. need, you, you know, like it's the like it's the built-in sense of like, oh, there's more that we could say or more that we could. And then that other people give that to us. Like, you know, like, so, like one really great conversation doesn't end at all. Like then you talk to somebody else and they bring out a different angle. And so then you kind of start like, combining all this stuff and i really think about it like you know maybe it's because i'm from massachusetts which is a commonwealth not a state Mm -hmm. and i think that's really what it is it's a sort of commonwealth of human experience that we're trying to pay into and take out from uh but it's all that it's that collective thing but it's why again going back to shifting from needy to need is this this is why we need other people because they help us become who we are Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I love that. And I love the connectivity and all of it. So when you look at it as this hodgepodge of ideas, I mean, essentially you're feeding off of one another. And I think what you're getting at again, in sort of in looking at the different aspects of loneliness. So being around people, even just getting praise. And by the way, I know, I, I mean, I kind of said this, but not really, but this is like another problem of mine, like where I just get stuck in the praise. I'm like, okay, cool. I got praise. I'm done. Like I, I don't want anything more to do with any of this, but that doesn't really make sense because again, people give you such cool, or at least can, right. It's possible. They can give you such great feedback that it, like, it makes you or it changes your perspective it shifts your thinking and i think for 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 me who's a lot of times afraid of being wrong obviously i mean literally the shirt fucking says it you know yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah yeah. my cousin got me this shirt too as a joke which uh not that funny <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but the, my, my point is to say that right so we i love the fact that you're pretty much saying that uh, again there's a sort of a bastardization of, of connectivity that we have to move past in order to again work with one another and understand that we do need each other and we need each other not just you. for emotional reasons but also for intellectual where i'm assuming richard from your work you pretty much in learning from these other people and the people you've spoken with have had relationships with you've built upon your ideas of loneliness so
1: yeah absolutely i mean that's the, the 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 only really through the talking about it and and the writing about it do i really find ways to immerse myself in it and that's you know i think that that's part of i mean i think that like that is part of the the introversion um, is really because I um don't like have a lot I'm not good at small talk and I don't have a lot of like it's just not all that valuable to me Um I've like sure. I like this like this is now we're doing something like the rest I could do by myself but this kind of thing like you guys have asked a lot of questions that that you know Um, are new to me new questions that people hadn't haven't asked Um, and you know and also because you're you know being real and you're bringing your own experience like again I, I can't I can't anticipate that so then like it just adds to it adds to that in a way that you know is really you know exciting to me and I the best the best thing is that I still learn about say my, my book or about the, or my thinking about loneliness by, you know, it's not done like the life of this stuff continues. And I like, you know, get to be part of a conversation.
2: Right. Which evolves. Yeah. All right. So as we start to wrap up, Alan, final questions for Richard before we go. Ah,
0: yes. Uh, So if we wanted to follow you, follow your work, and of course, by the book, uh, where can we do that?
1: (laughs) I am not on social media for the (laughs) most part. So that's bad. Um, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 on uh, Viking Penguin. so it's pretty much available at any any bookstore or certainly on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty easy to get a hold of. All right. Awesome. All right,
2: Richard, thank you so much for coming on, man. Cool. I, I really, really appreciated the vulnerability, man. And just the fact that you even are able to write about it, Uh, like even that little uh, snippet that I read from your book. I mean, yeah, usually people don't talk about those experiences, or at the very least, it's sort of like a hero's journey. And it's like, oh, here's how I overcame, right? And I right. like that for you, it was like, no, no, like, these are the things that I'm still kind of ashamed of.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's ongoing. It's a, it's a, the struggle is real, brother.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much again, man. We'll be in touch with you soon.
1: Thanks so much, guys. You guys be well, now. Absolutely, man.
0: All right. So, everyone, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at Seize underscore podcast. Like, subscribe, hit Hit the the bell on on YouTube. YouTube. And again, thank you so much for watching and see you next time.